after quite some time we are back to china today and not not back to china in the sense of geopolitics and what china is doing to its neighbors or what's happening between china the us russia etc etc bri not like that this is about china itself about what's happening in china or within china's economy now first of all health warnings it's not as if please do not start thinking that china is collapsing as i see some of our some of the stuff that goes around on whatsapp and what on youtube etc china is not collapsing economically china is slowing down economically china is slowing down economically for many reasons china is also slowing down economically because china's population growth has slowed down much faster than anybody had imagined so demand for many things is going down one of those things going ahead going ahead one of things those things could be real estate that is housing residential real estate when that happens the immediate immediate impact is that the market anticipates market looks forward and works in a forward mode so anything you buy today if if you think that demand will keep on growing then you think this will sell for more later but if you think demand is not growing that will not happen now that's one of the reasons but not the only reason but that could be one of the reasons why the housing market in china is collapsing chinese economy is not collapsing chinese residential real estate is collapsing and that has had a big impact because chinese real estate market contributes much more to china's gdp than india's real estate market does in comparison now this might also be a function of how quickly the economy the gdp has grown in china and how many people have become richer to the extent of having surplus cash to buy homes for themselves china grew much faster than india in the previous 30 years and that led to demand for housing and a lot of people booked houses or bought houses or or, or booked houses to move into better houses compared to what they had also there was a massive movement of chinese people from the villages to the cities as a result real estate boom built up in that process real estate came to contribute more than 30% of china's gdp at one point of time this 30% in fact 2016 was the peak real estate was 35.8% of china's gdp a lot in india right now it's just about 6% it goes between 6 to 7% and the estimates in india are that even even over the next 15 20 years real estate will not become more than 15% of india's gdp in china it was it was 35 5.8% in 2016 32.9 in 2017 and as as recently as 2022 it was about 27% so it's a lot for china's gdp now once you have the basic factor or basic data point in your minds then i will tell you a couple more things so get familiar with two terms rotten tails and the other is one is rotten tails the other is mortgage boycotts i will explain these to you in just a minute before that let me also introduce you to three companies in china three big companies three of china's biggest companies real estate and finance companies one we know about evergrand evergrand collapsed about 2 years back in december 2021 when it defaulted on its international bond 
repayments. We had we had featured it in a full episode of Cut the Clutter then. That was the first sign. That was the cannery in the coal mine, but an oversized cannery. More than a cannery, it was like the blow horn of a big ship because everybody then figured, woke, woke up and figured what a big crisis was developing in China's real estate and finance markets because Evergrande, the largest real estate company in China, collapsed. Its chairman, founder, right now is under a kind of legal restraint, which in China could be euphemism for arrest for being under house arrest, for being under heavy investigation and stuff like that. So that had collapsed then. Now there are two more companies. Evergrande, as I said, you know about. Two more companies. One is Country Garden. Country Garden is a very important company. Country Garden is, is now the biggest developer in China. And Country Garden's chairperson, Yang Huyan, in 2021, she was, she was ranked as the richest woman in Asia. Her own worth then at that point, mainly based on the market cap of the company shares that she owned. Her father had transferred most of the shares, most of his shares to her. That was worth $30 billion, right? At this point, her own value, her own value has mostly been written off. Not just that, not, nor, has her, nor has most of her value disappeared, but her company, which is running 3,100 housing, real estate housing projects in China, across China, that's now in trouble. It missed its international debt payment repayment in August. On Monday, this Monday, that is a couple of days back, it also suspended payments on its international bonds. Then it also issued a statement saying how stressed it was and, and, and how much of a trouble it is in. Now, if you look at just Country Garden, the biggest developer in China right now, its peak market cap was $50 billion. That was in 2018. What is it now? In August this year, this was $3.5 billion only. Now, this is the company the chairman, where the founder's daughter, who was now the chairperson of the company, two years back in 2021 was individually, personally valued at $30 billion. Now her company is valued at just $3.5 billion in August. Now coming to December, the value has more or less disappeared and this company is one of those deeply stressed companies in China. Once again, the implication is that Chinese residential real estate market has collapsed. The third company that we talk about, Evergrande, after that country garden, and then a company called Zhongji. Zhongji, I hope I pronounce it right, but if I don't, my apologies. Zhongji is a company of Zhongji's or Zhongji Enterprises Group. That's a company that's again in trouble. This is not directly a real estate development company, although they do some of that. They started out as a timber company in 1995. The founder, it's a rags to riches story. The founder, Shi Chikun. He, he used to work in a printing press. In 1995, he set up a small company in, and set himself up in timber business. From that, he grew. His company grew. His company grew so big that this company, besides other things, also has an, had an asset management company, which at its peak was managing $139 billion. That's a great deal of cash. It also became a big lender, a big lender to real estate sector. That's the reason I said it's not directly building real estate, but it's financing real estate. This is part of what is called as China's shadow banking industry. Now, how do I define shadow banking? Shadow banking is basically financial institutions which 
collect money which means they will take deposits either by way of bonds or they will take deposits from people who will trust them on the promise of giving them a good return so they will take that money and then they will lend it they will lend it but not under the usual diligence to which central bank or regulator or a regulator controlled entities lend so they are not like banks they are a bit like it's a loose comparison they are a bit like non banking financial corporations might might have been in india until the regulator moved in and began at least putting at least imposing some kind of some kind of regulation over them in china this has been very very informal and that is the market right now that's in trouble so the troubles of jongji right now jongji also defaulted on, on on its on its repayments they defaulted on its repayments they also issued a statement saying that they are short of 36 36.7 billion 36.7 billion dollars again a very large amount of money and they issued a statement which was quite interesting they said look our our founder died in 2021 in december 2021 he was succeeded by a bunch of people his, his main successor was his, was his nephew liu yang but doesn't look like things worked out many key executives left many of the others have not quite followed the right practices this statement also said and this is a statement issued on 22nd november just about 10 12 days back they said our company is severely stressed they also said that we have with this 37.6 36.7 billion dollar shortfall we are now insolvent they said the company we as in we as in jongji is now insolvent that their that our liabilities are between 420 to 460 billion yuan whereas our assets are just about 200 billion yuan a yuan for ease of calculation is about 8 to a dollar it varies but you know 8 is easier to calculate mentally than than say 8.3 8.4 8.5 like that so generally 8 to a dollar or if you want to see comparisons with the rupee then today as we speak today a yuan is about 11 rupees 70 paisa a yuan usually remains quite stable the chinese make sure that it may remain stable and it remains weaker then it could become because the weaker because if the yuan becomes stronger then chinese exports suffer so a big dispute point between america and china has been china, the chinese american allegation that the chinese are artificially weakening their currency it's counter intuitive isn't it because in india we all talk about having a stronger rupee so the chinese have been deliberately weakening their currency as a policy so they could get an export edge to america and so they could compete better against american american companies even donald trump that was the big issue he had with the chinese nevertheless the company said jongji said that their liabilities are about between 420 to 460 billion yuan renminbi yuan whereas their assets are not even half as much their assets are about 200 billion yuan that statement said that their staff after their owner passed away the founder passed away they said their executives ran wild and their business has had a failure now the beijing public security bureau meanwhile has announced that they have taken enforcement measures you know what that means in china they've taken enforcement measures 
it can mean surveillance, it can mean detention, it can mean house arrest, it can mean full-fledged jail. So they've done it. This has come at a time when the Evergrande boss, that is chairman and founder, Hui Kayan, is also under similar, similar restraints. Now, this Zhongqi meltdown has actually made headlines globally because they also had a big asset management firm. That asset management firm was called Zhongrang. Now, Zhongrang would take people's money for deposits on the promise of better returns. Asset management. That company, that company defaulted on its payments of nearly 30 billion just a while back in August. And that led to all kinds of stresses, trouble and panic. On December 1, that is just, just a couple of days back, on December 1, two top executives of companies controlled by Zhongxi went missing. These top executives are Ma Hongying, who is the chairwoman of Dalian MyGym educational technology firm, it's a listed firm, and also Ma Chang Shui, who is the chair of Xinjiang Tianshan Animal Husbandry Bioengineering. Now, once again, nobody quite knows for sure what happened with them, but the general presumption is that their companies also came under investigation and they have also been either arrested or put under house arrest. Because in China, when tycoons draw this kind of adverse notice from the government and its agencies, they usually disappears. And that is something that does not spare the mightiest in the Chinese corporate sector, in the world of Chinese enterprise. You want to see how big the Chinese problem is right now, the Chinese real estate problem is right now. If we want to get a larger idea, uh, we go to Elm Lead, which is a Singapore-based real estate research firm. That estimates that by the beginning of this year, more than 2,000 projects worth more than 6 trillion yuan. That is about 843 billion US dollars. Those had been suspended or stalled or work had stopped on them because, because the builders there, the developers, had failed to service their debt or repay their bonds. That gives you an idea of the extent or of the size of, of, of the problem in China with the real estate market right now. 20 million households in China, and I'm reading from Bloomberg, Financial Times, South China Morning Post. 20 million households in China are waiting for apartments to be delivered for them, for which they have paid. And how have they paid? They haven't paid from their own pockets. They have borrowed either from banks or from the shadow, shadow banking organizations or NBFCs. HDFC, by the way, until recently used to be India's biggest shadow banking organization or NBFC when it came to housing loans. Lately, they have merged with HDFC Bank, so they are now fully regulated. They can also raise more capital, etc. That's a different, different issue which those, which those in the world of banking and finance understand. When opportunity comes, I will also read up and talk to some people and explain to you. I'm just using that example to tell you that when you want to buy a house, you don't necessarily go to a bank. You go to a housing finance organization, which can be, which can be one of these companies. And those companies control the housing lending market in China. So these 20 million households, that is 2 crore households who are waiting for their apartments, have paid for the apartments by borrowing their money from one of these companies, from one of these non-banking financial companies, let me call them that way, because that's the name we use in India, it's more familiar to us. They've taken the money, they paid for the flats, but the flats haven't come. So they have to continue at the same time, continue repaying their loans. 
to understand what a big how big this problem is in india if i look at the data in india see the story that we carried just a couple of days back on distressed housing projects in the noida greater noida area on the outskirts of delhi we said that of the 4.8 lakh houses or flats which are under stress in india stress for del delivery because work has not been done of the 4.8 lakh 35% that is 1.65 lakhs lie in this in this suburb of delhi in this sprawling suburb of delhi noida and greater noida so all of india has 4.8 lakh 35% of it of 1.65 lakh is in noida and greater noida compare that with 2 crores 4.8 lakhs compared with 2 crores in china that is the number of apartments that is lying stressed in china and that's where i come back to the two terms to which i had introduced earlier and i told you i will explain to you in a bit one is rotten tails and the second is mortgage boycotts rotten tails is the exact translation of a chinese word or a chinese expression it's called lan velu in roman in english you will spell it as l a n w e i l o u lan velu or lan velu lan velu or rotten tails rotten tails is the name that people of china give to those apartment buildings or apartment complexes or projects where the structure of the project is made structure of the project is made but the project is not completed which means which means the basic fittings and fitments are not done which means the lifts have not been installed in the in, in the building power and electric power and water is not available so people can't take possession and they can't live there so paisa kharch ho gaya building ban gayi but then it's not completed why is it not completed because maybe the builder ran short of money or maybe the builder stole the money it took the money from the buyers but did not fully complete the project while the buyers wait because they paid for it and their interest rate and their interest burden is piling up the banks or in most cases shadow banks which lend to these buyers they are at their throat because they want their money back so these buyers are not saying look we are caught in this rotten tails trap right rotten tails means maybe what it means is ke body ban gayi body is there but the tail has not been finished right so the tail is rotting so we are caught in the rotten tail trap so why should we keep paying back our lenders because they paid the money to the builder they are not getting the flat they are angry and frustrated i am not getting my flat i took the money from from the lender i have to keep paying the lender from where do i pay the lenders okay go to hell i am angry with the system i am angry with the government i am angry with the regulator i am angry with the world so i refuse to now pay the guy who gave me the mortgage that is mortgage boycott so i have now explained to you rotten tails as well as mortgage boycott to help us understand the rotten tails problem better rotten tails which is then followed by mortgage boycotts i am sharing with you also the link of a very short video from south china morning post which also takes you to some of these projects with with camera and also explains the problem to you and why it's called rotten tails now you'll say in the chinese system you refuse to pay your mortgage somebody will come and beat you into pulp or something like that will happen and you will pay your money after all in india also lenders can sometimes use strong arm methods and they do particularly these days i am noticing particularly when even banks give away unsecured loans so called business loans at high interest rates if people are not able to pay 
real collateral is almost never there because banks are greedy. They charge higher interest rates. But if people are not able to pay, the banks do use strong arm methods. So in China also you can do it. Maybe you can do it. But you can't do it when the numbers of those who say we are now carrying out a mortgage boycott is large enough because there is safety in numbers. So in city after city, in project after project, people are responding to what they describe as the rotten tails problem with mortgage boycotts. So people are getting together and saying we are not paying come what may jo karna hai karna, do what you want. I'm not paying my loans back. You want to understand how big this problem in China is, the shadow banking problem. I told you the Chinese real estate even now is about 27% of China's GDP. Until five years back, used to be about 35%, right? Even now, it's about 27% compared to about 6% in India. So that tells you the scale of what happens if Chinese real estate comes under stress, what kind of an overhang it becomes on the Chinese GDP. That said, what is the size of China's shadow banking market or China's NBFC market? Again, loosely translated shadow banking to NBFC. That is more than just a little over $3 trillion. And again, these are estimated by international organizations, international financial institutions and international media organizations, research organizations as well. So $3 trillion, that's more than the GDP of France. In fact, it's only a little less. It's about two-thirds, more than two-thirds of India's GDP. That is the size of the Chinese shadow banking market. Now, in conclusion, I will tell you, I will give you some, some broader figures. For the 38 builders that have defaulted in China, 38 major builders, they have defaulted. Country Garden is one of them, the biggest for now. Of the 38 builders that have defaulted, around 3.6 trillion yuan will be needed to achieve. 100% project completion according to HSBC holdings, right? Now, once again, you divide 3.6 trillion yuan by, by 8, you come to, the, come to the dollar figure, you multiply by 11.7, you come to the rupee figure. As I speak, you will also see these multiplications done for you and the figures on your screens as well. China has therefore to find 3 trillion, 3 trillion yuan. China, the public, the People's Bank of China, PBOC, has since pledged 550 billion yuan or 77 billion dollars and what they are telling what they are telling other commercial banks is that listen you take this money you can take up to 200 billion yuan directly from us directly from us at 0% interest rates provided you are lending these you are lending these to this shadow shadow banking industry which was which was financing this real estate industry, obviously, so that there is a knock-on effect and people's loan repayments can be suspended or delayed for now. But the banks, by and large, are not picking up this debt from the public People's Bank of China as well, although it's zero debt, because they know that what this means is that the monkey of defaults and distress is basically being shifted from the backs of the real estate developers and the shadow banking industry and being placed on their backs. That's why nobody's interested. So that has now become a major challenge in China and for the Chinese economy.